Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to the Mile High Report Radio Podcast. We have something that I've wanted to do for a couple of weeks, but since Adam was a slacker and was hanging out on a lanai in Florida, we weren't able to get it. Shot um, fire. You just plopped that out there and expected it to perform. Wow. That was early. You know what? Again. You're, you're, oh, are we trying to have like a, a, a competition where you like, try to get it out as, as early as possible? The next thing you know, I'm just going to start the show. I'm going to plop this out there and expect it to. Then you can't. There's no possibility at that point. We should make a rule. There should be a rule about it. So I, I think we need to, to clear this up on for those who are new to the show or haven't heard us do this before. That is our ode to John Fox for all the great quotes that he gave over his tenure as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. He did. And that's, that's our ode to him. And, but anyway, back to uh, the original point was that we have Ryan Edwards from orange and blue Seven Sixty, And if you don't listen to his show, uh, first and 10 from 10 to one o'clock with Andrew Mason and Steve Atwater, you're not doing it right. (laughs) 
So uh, with that in mind, we uh, we welcome in Ryan, who uh, is not only incredibly knowledgeable about the Broncos and will uh, definitely make Adam and me smarter, but will give some great insight for the Mile High Report community. So well, thanks for doing this, Ryan, and and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, fellas. Uh, excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the shout out there, Ian. Yeah, we we have a, a good time on this, the show, and it's been a it's been a pretty crazy week. I mean, uh, we we obviously were out there every day for mandatory minicamp, and uh, most of the time, the twelve o'clock hour, we were out on the practice field having a chance to talk to just a bevy of players. So it was a it was a lot of fun this week. So th- let's jump right in. What what are your major takeaways from? from OTAs and mandatory mini camp from what you've been able to witness? Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, very interesting storylines with this team. I mean, no question about it. You guys at mile high report report do a great job with that as well. Uh, you know, you, you kind of start from the offensive side of the ball and, and really how the word pra- player friendly gets thrown around a lot right now with the, the new offense and, and simple, you know, simplified concepts you know, guys feel like they can play faster and you're seeing it out there on the field. You know, the ball, you know, it's not like we, we didn't, haven't ever seen the ball get out fast, but uh, on uh, getting out fast and on target is something that's nice. It's, it's a bit of a nice change uh, with the Broncos offense. Uh, you know, the one thing, of course, you know, they're not wearing pads. So where every single running back looks really, really good right now, even Dave Williams uh, looks like he could be an interesting, fun guy to watch during training camp. You know, you're going to have to kind of wait a little bit to see what uh, what will end up, you know, panning out when the guys get the pads on. But on the offensive side of the ball, you know, you're you're obviously talking a bit about Case Keenum and and really how he has taken command. And you can see just how guys uh, the, the confidence that's coming from the offense is something that I haven't seen definitely in the last couple of years. You know, uh, it, it's funny. We had Von Miller say a few weeks ago, you know, about OTAs, you know, I thought we were going to win the Super Bowl last year uh, at this time. Nobody thought that. Uh, I mean, I can appreciate that from a player's perspective, but but nobody really thought they were going to win the Super Bowl around that time. The offense looked like it was going to have some issues. You sort of hoped those things would get ironed out during training camp. And you knew when you were splitting reps between two quarterbacks for the starters role, that means the guy that did get the job was going to get half the snaps and that already was a recipe for a bit of disaster as we ended up finding out but yeah i mean if, if you want to start from the offensive side of the ball no question man the, the confidence level of this team uh is pretty high on that side of the ball uh, the mixing that in of course with Cortland sutton and deshaun hamilton who are absolutely immediate impact guys so far uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch cool hey i want to go back to something real quick that you said because i'm curious you talked about the offense being faster, sharper. It, is that on the change in offensive coordinator? Is that on the change of quarterback? What Does Case Keenum control the offense better than Trevor Simeon did? Or is that more, um, is that more about what's, what's in the offensive playbook? Yeah, it's, it's both. I mean, for sure, you know, what, what uh, Bill Musgrave's trying to do is, you know, he's sort of sampled from a, a lot of different off- offensive schemes and really took a look at his personnel, which is something that I didn't feel like Mike McCoy did a great job of, to be honest. And 
you know, through that, he also has a quarterback that knows how to dissect defenses. And, and when he takes a look at the field, he can act, actually, you know, put, put guys in place to succeed. So it's, it's a little bit of both, you know, Case Keenum, uh, obviously last year was a bit out of character for what he's been over his career, or we can spin it the other way and say it's a bit of uh, something being unlocked with him. And I think through that process, you know, what he was able to do in Minnesota, they were able to talk to him about that. And he, you know, anticipated uh, the rush. He anticipated uh, defenses. And, I mean, it showed as they they were able to march all the way to the NFC Championship. But, yeah, I mean, right now with the offense – the optimism is high because, you know, the, the defense has, you know, yet to get the pads on. But at the same time, there's just sort of a feeling of, OK, things that we maybe saw towards the middle of training camp starting to click. Those things are already happening. And now it's just hoping that by the time we get midway through training camp, they're ironing out details more so than fixing things on the fly. How much better can Garrett Bowles be with Ronald Leary as his left guard? right next to him at the right. Yeah, it's a significant opportunity for Garrett. And I mean, Ron Leary, I mean, I guess, I guess you could say Matt Paradis is, is def- no question the anchor, but Ron Leary might be the leader along that offensive line. I mean, though those guys all listen to Ron as, as if he was almost the captain of the offensive line. And again, I know that Matt Paradis has had that role as well. I'm not saying that he's without that role, but Ron Leary, of course, you know, last year, you know, coming in, Matt Paradis sat out all of the offseason. Connor McGovern ended up running uh, the the point there at center. And so Ron Leary kind of got the, developed that that time with those guys and, and he became a, a voice for him, really. So uh, I, I think that Ron Leary being next to Garrett Bowles can only be good things. Uh, what does that mean for Max Garcia? Well, it's, it's not good news because he doesn't have position versatility. And I think that that's pretty apparent now uh, with him. Um, so where you're you're going to find is you know what what's open competition right now is still that right guard position. I think McGovern's going to win it, but you know right now that's that's kind of where we're at with with the offensive line, short of injuries. Now again, that's the kind of interesting point of you know Jared Valdir, you know they traded for him, he still hasn't seen the practice field. They say he's he's going to be fine, but again. <laughs> uh, I, I bet the Colts, uh, all the times they said Andrew Luck was going to be just fine last year, uh, wish they could take back some of that. So until he actually practices, I think Ron Leary really is fine. I, I actually believe that. And, and Veral Deer is probably okay, but it just got to see him out there. But yeah, right now uh, th- there's no downside whatsoever. And again, Leary, that's his natural position. So what you're saying is don't make the mistake I made last year and drafted Andrew Luck. So don't draft Jared Valdir yet, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I would I would wait I would wait a little bit and look I'm I'm optimistic on it I I, I thought as uh, time went on now he didn't play in right and left tackle last year for Arizona but again the majority of the season was right and and I thought he actually got better you know there was still a couple of hiccups he started out real slow the, the I guess if you're gonna draw it up and say the the concern level for him because he hasn't had the most majority of his experience there at right tackle sure. But for me, you, you not only got a guy that, that does have that experience, uh, he, he has played well at tackle. If, if Garrett Bowles struggles, you, you have another option there at left tackle. There, there are possibilities there with Valdir. I've been kind of you know, making the point that you know, now is the time to try those kinds of things. And I don't, you know, Mason and Steve uh, are battling me a little bit on it. But you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if, if Jared Valdir is your best left tackle on the roster, I think you should at least consider it. 
what has been the status of the defense? I mean, obviously it's hard to know because they haven't put the pads on and they haven't been able to tackle, but what have you seen from the defense that lends you to think that it may get back to where it was two years ago, maybe even three years ago? I mean, and not not saying it was bad a year ago, but no, they gave up some big plays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But in terms of just getting back to like the dominance on third down, creating turnovers and getting sacks, I think especially those latter two areas need to need to improve. Is there any indication that that's going to happen yeah, I, I think the pass rush is going to be upgraded. We already know about the addition of Bradley Chubb. I really believe Jeff Holland, who they, they, everybody raves about down there and has looked good so far in the early portions, I think he's going to he's gonna be an, a member of the 53-man roster this year as well. And especially now with Shane Ray out for at least the beginning of the season, uh, his stock rises, in my opinion, quite a bit. So the pass rush is going to be better. I think DeMarcus Walker's had a really nice offseason. Uh, he, he is exactly where he needs to be with his weight. He's exactly where he needs to be as far as positioning, where he probably should have been from the beginning, not even probably should have been from the beginning. And so now you're in a position where you're, you're looking better along the defensive line. Derek Wolf looks healthy. Zach Kerr. I mean, Shelby Harris looks great. I mean, he had an impact last year too. So like I said, uh, up front, you feel pretty strong. Um, the concerns, and you guys already know this, is going to be a cornerback, not just because you moved on from McKeep to Lee, but, uh, I mean, look, Bradley Roby was sick a day a couple of weeks ago, and, man, uh, it scares me a bit, the notion of uh, a cornerback group without either Chris Harris or Bradley Roby, and it should scare everybody. Uh, I'm not saying that Tremaine Brock can't bring you some veteran abilities and leadership and can make some plays. But in the end, uh, it's going to be Brock. Then you go Brendan Langley. We know what that looked like last year. We'll see if he can make a jump this year. Uh, Isaac Yadam, Marcus Rios. We're talking about a lot of youth. And Aqib Tlaib, boy, I think you're going to miss him this year. So to answer your question a bit, pass rush is going to have some options to get there. Can the corners and DBs hold long enough? There's going to be some games where they do, and there's going to be some games where they don't. That's just the simple truth. So a step, so a step, step back up step back in the back. In the back. Yes. But uh, a but, step uh, forward uh, in the front. Forward in the front. Yeah, but you know what? The safeties are deep. I mean, there's no. Hey, look, man, the safeties are really, really strong. That room, man. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun talking to Sua Cravens quite a bit, and uh, Will Parks. I think it, you know you can think about maybe a step forward for Will Parks. Justin Simmons, I think, has a p- chance to make a Pro Bowl this year. I think he has the ability for that. And and again, you know, we'll see with Darian Stewart. I think Darian Stewart still's got something left in the tank. And if he doesn't, by next year, the Broncos will move in a new direction. But but I actually am a believer that Sua Cravens will will give them a bit of that coverage in the middle of the field that they just got gashed on over and over again. So again, it's funny how you 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 trade in, you get a new strength in the fact that you're going to be better in coverage in the middle of the field. And you trade in now what was a strength last year is your your two corners, your starting outside corners, um, and even your slot corner. Uh, you got a little bit weaker there, but again, you're you're hoping that they can mix it up a little bit, show some some unique design on the defense with Joe Woods in his second year, and, and that'll be the difference. We're hoping. 
Well, and that the pass rush will play a part in that and limit the amount of time that they have to cover as well. Yes. Yeah, one hundred percent. How much of an impact will Demarcus Ware have coaching up the pass rushers, but mainly Bradley Chubb and Jeff Holland? I mean, I think it's a it's it's a great move for the Broncos. I mean, you're, you're looking for you know leadership. You're looking for a mentality, and it, it it's a it's a locker room that that can always use more of that. Vaughn's excited to have him, and I think anything that makes Vaughn Miller happy, you just go ahead and do. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so uh, Vaughn's happy to have him in the fold. Uh, he's going to work with the, the interior guys as well as the edge guys. So th- there's no there's no real downside. Now, I guess the the one thing that people will probably point to is whether or not he can teach what he did as a pro and translate that onto the field with with these players. But I, I, I don't stress too much about that. The scheme is the scheme. He's just there to kind of give some tips and and be a, a bit of a, uh, you know, guy that they can bounce things off of, the, you know, the the edge rushers. And, and, I, and I, again, I like it, too, because. Um, you know, Bradley Chubb already seems to be a guy that carries himself very well, but there's, there's no downside to having him spend his first year in the league with DeMarcus Ware, a future Hall of Famer. And, you know, that that's kind of the point I made when it comes, you know, you uh, obviously every Broncos fan knows when you go back to when uh, DeMarcus Ware joined this team, it was a crossroads for Von Miller. And not that it's even close to that with Chubb, but he set him on the right path. Von Miller, now the superstar has a Super Bowl ring. I think Bradley Chubb can only only get great things out of DeMarcus Ware. Excellent. That's perfect. I love that. I I, I like having the former Broncos coming in and doing things and I, and I think uh I think we're all happy to see DeMarcus Ware back. Some of us I think wish he would put the pads on, right? Maybe you know, dude, try it out looks, for a couple games. Oh man, he looks great. Oh, dude, he I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, he said he's got a like 4%, 6% body fat. Uh, he still looks like a superhero. I mean, every time he got up on the box and talked to the press, I mean, you're just going like, did this guy, I mean, he could be the rock, you know, he could, he could like go out there and, and like be action, an action star, the way he's built. He just, I mean, he's just built like that. No, I, there's definitely a little bit of that. And we, we obviously have tried in the media to encourage it, but he, he's not buying. <laughs> he's not coming along on that. No. I mean, and he doesn't even need to play like he could be just like a, a designated pass rusher where he just goes in on third down. Right. Uh, that's, that's what we tried to sell, man. But I mean, you know, you know, I mean, I've spent enough time around ex players um, most of the time, mo- unless they're like Jay Cutler or something. Most of the time, once they uh, once their t- they, their body tells them they need to quit, they they generally quit. And most of them don't look back. It's funny, even with like like the bigger guys, like offensive linemen, like Tyler Columbus. Boy, I mean, same thing with Ryan Harris too. I mean, like it's, it's like the moment they quit, they lose like sixty pounds. <laughs> so, like it's it's, it's, it, feels, it feels like it's overnight. But yeah, I mean, they just the you know for most of these guys, they're just, I mean they're just they're they're athletes and they're required to carry a certain weight. And then once they're not required to do that anymore, it just falls right off. I should quit my job. Maybe I'd drop sixty pounds. <laughs> Who knows? Right. <laughs> Not saying I have to, but it couldn't hurt. Just half that would be fine. I'd be all right with that. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Ryan, what? uh, so OTAs are done. Many camps coming up. What are some of our expectations now for the Denver Broncos in the coming season? And then 
to sort of expand on that, based on what those expectations are now, is could those change as we move forward? Well, I mean, you know, clearly the expectations are from the organization are, are still pretty high. I mean, they've uh, they, they've given Vance Joseph uh, another opportunity, another option. They gave him a quarterback. They let him structure his uh, coaching staff in the way that he wants. Not really a lot of excuses there. So Vance Joseph's got got to show improvement with this team. Now, does that mean a playoff berth? Well, I, I don't think it means that for him necessarily, but I do think improvement. I, I think that what you want to see is you want to see improvement in the ways that they struggled last year, that they don't do that anymore. Mentality, uh, mental mistakes, you know, things where, hey, one, one bad turnover doesn't sink the game early on. Uh, see situations where, you know, your quarterback's doing a better job taking care of the ball. I mean, I, I I think expectations, you know, because it's Broncos country, the expectations are always going to be really high, and as they should be. It's a good thing to, it's a good thing, you know, like like there are plenty of organizations, plenty of fan bases that go in every year saying I have no idea, and or, or even having low expectations. I mean, for all the people are like, boy, the Cleveland Browns look good this year. There's no expectations there. I mean, not not really. So. Uh, I, I think the Broncos' schedule is way more favorable than the rest of the AFC West. Uh, I think the rest of the AFC West is going to have some, some definite spots of struggles. The Broncos definitely have some highlight games that they need to uh, find a way to win, and they got to be really good at home. They got to be good in the division. That, but that doesn't change any year. Uh, I think if Case Keenum can repeat, if not improve, on a couple of the stats from last year. Then you're you're talking about a team that's eight and eight, nine or seven, and then they just need a, f- a few bounces to go their way to to get above that. So I, I'm I'm you know sort of optimistic here, but you know what what tends to happen after you know a couple of years of, of seeing it not all come together the way you you sort of planned it on, then you know you start to to second guess those things. So, so I sit here today and I I feel like it's a team that. Uh, most definitely in this division could get back in the postseason, but it, it's going to take um, significant changes. Look, they can't be the second worst team in the league at, at give take, right? I mean, that 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 one right there. They got to be better right. on third down. They got to help their defense out. Special teams can't be an abject disaster, which it was. It was an absolute abject disaster. I think Tom McMahon is going to be going to be great here, but uh, there's just those, those things. I mean, you you improve. You're middle of the league in some of those stats. And it's and, and we're we're leaning a whole different direction. And I think that's what most Broncos fans should be able to lean on. And you might even be better than that in some of those stats. What's it like to work and talk football with Steve Atwater? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I got to know that one. Uh, I mean, look, Steve, Steve is you'll hear hear it to a man, uh, you know, one of the, the nicest men you'll ever meet. And, uh, you know, we joke Plus around one, a lot. I concur. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, we joke around a lot on the show and, you know, I, it was funny when I first started on the show, I mean, I'm like, wow, this is Steve Atwater, you know, this is Steve Atwater. And I don't, and I don't tend to have a ton of geek out moments. You know, I've been doing this for a while, but you know, he was one of my faves as, I mean, how, dude, I mean, yeah. you're a Broncos yeah. fan yes. about <laughs> our age. Um, he, you know, you, you can ask, you know, a t- you know, 50 different fans, and there's going to be about, you know, 30 or maybe more that are going to say he's your favorite player. And, and that's the truth. He's my dad's favorite player. So, again, I'm like when I got the show with Steve Atwater, that was like for the first call I made is I called my dad. And I was like, dude, you're not going to believe this. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. And so. So, yeah, I mean, it, he he he's great. 
he's really cool. I mean, he, he want, and, and, I, and I do appreciate this about him is, you know, he's never done radio before. He's never done anything like this, this, this role with the Broncos he has uh, with, with the, you know, so the community involvement and community outreach, and then he's, he's doing the radio stuff, but, but his approach with it is like, I'm going to be here basically every day. Like I, I'm not, I'm, I'm barely taking vacations. I'm going to go full force into it because the only way I'm going to get good at it is if I do it every single day. And he told me that from the beginning, he's like, you're not going to see me take a lot of vacations. I'm not going to take a lot of days off because I want to get good at this, or I want to at least know if I like it enough to get good at it. And, and he, he he true to his word. I mean, he he's barely t- look. He 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 felt bad. He went and got inducted into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame a couple weeks ago, and he felt bad about missing the show. He's like, man, I'm really sorry. I'm like, dude, you got to be kidding me. You're like, you're being inducted into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame, and you're like apologizing. Um, he really wanted to downplay it too. He didn't really want to, you know. He, he, he didn't want to like, you know, he's like, ah, don't, you know, don't, don't talk about it too. I, I, you know, it's not a big deal. I'm just like, dude, I mean, I don't even know what to tell you right now. I, of course I'm going to bring it up. Of course I'm going to talk about it. Um, he should be a hall of famer. Um, in, in yes. that I know that you guys don't have any arguments against that. We're, we're obviously on our end doing everything we can reaching out, having guys on, but, um, seriously, I mean, he, uh, he, he and Andrew Mason are, you know, I look forward to this job every single day. You know, not, not a lot, not everybody can say that about their job, but I, I think it's the coolest gig ever. And, um, you know, I mean, you can, you listen to the show, man. I mean, you, you know how much fun I, you can hear how much fun I'm having. It's, it's, it's a blast. Yeah. No, All three of you guys. Yeah. I'm just I, jealous every day. That's okay. I just live okay. in a world of jealousy and that's, that's all right. Yeah. Well, well I, I, I appreciate that. And I mean, he, uh, you know, like I said, the uh, the ten year old me, the 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 ten to twelve year old me is is uh, doesn't believe it. So you know, there's 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 a little bit of that. And but you know, what what was really funny about Steve, just from real quick on a radio side, um, you know, he's so nice, and I you know I I wanted to try to bring out a bit of the trash talker in him, and I kept, and you'll hear me from time to time. I try I try to you know get under his skin a little bit and. Um, but I discovered something this last year. We started doing, you know, NFL pick them and just starting picking games. You know, we're not doing like, uh, we're not, we're not doing spreads or anything like that. Cause you know, that's, it's just un- until we really get into the gambling stuff and you know, that becomes passed in Colorado. It's not, not necessary right now, but, uh, he got this side of him and I hadn't seen it. So early on in the show, we're just doing the show and he's Steve Atwater and he's great. And we're talking about the games and we're, you know, whatever. And I'm like, boy, there, there, there feels like there's something there. And we started doing it. And not only did he get so into it that he trash talk, he does spreadsheets. He does like, he, he, he puts little notes next to our picks. Uh, he, he puts, I mean, he comes in, he has all of it. He spends the whole week before sun, before our Friday show going over and thinking about it and, and mapping out the games. The only time that we really got the better, I mean, he, he kicked our ass, but the only time he got the better of us was on, that we got the better of him was week 17 when he didn't know who was starting. Like he was like, he was still up in the air on who was starting. And that's the only week that we really won. Otherwise, I mean, he, he meticulously studies this stuff and, and, and it kind of opened unlocked a whole nother thing. And, and for me, it really took the show to another level. But I mean, again, uh, that's just how he approaches everything. It's, you know, he, he really is. He, he doesn't kind of halfway dip his toe in it. And and trust me, I've, I've worked with plenty of ex athletes that have done that. And, and he's not like that. So he, he's as advertised uh, and, and seriously a delight to work with. 
Let's get this guy in the Hall of Fame. I mean, truth. Let's just do that. Make that a mission. I think we took that on with Terrell Davis, right? So we can. Yeah, we did the thirty for thirty. I think we should do a twenty-seven for twenty-seven for, for Steve Atwater. <laughs> that's fewer, right? That's that's fewer numbers too. Yeah. So it's a little bit easier. Yeah, it's not. It's not fifty-three and fifty-three for Randy Gratishar or uh-huh. seventy-seven for seventy-seven for Carl Mecklenburg. Oh my goodness! Right. You just made yeah, me tired. No. He's, I mean, and and there's going to be a push. I mean, you guys know there's some politicking involved, much like it was with TD. Um, it really shouldn't have to be like that for Mr. Bolin. That that's no. that's a bit a bit of a travesty. Um, the, Jerry getting in is still one of the. Uh, he he. I'm not saying he shouldn't be in, but but ahead of Mr. B, I thought that was just a joke. I did too. Um, and so, I actually wrote uh, a story where I cussed about it. So yes. yeah, made Ian yeah. swear. Which is pretty easy. Uh, if, actually. if it weren't it's for my fun. natural radio instincts, I'd be swearing right now. But right. but I can't help I can't help but keep that on. But yeah, no, I mean we're a family it, show. It's you know we're a family show. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I mean Mr. Mr. B will get in, and 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 I I I, I like Andrew's idea of uh, sort of you know maybe he said that we're coming up on the 100 years of the hall of fame and, and he said, or, or the, of the league. And, and he said that, you know, maybe that might be an opportunity where the league can kind of let some of these backlog players that are very deserving in, and you can kind of make a big class, you know, rather than a limited class, you can make a much bigger class. And I think if that's the case, Steve, Steve will absolutely get in. It's just, it's a safety position, man. I mean, that's not just, it's not just Steve. There are other safeties that are, they're definitely deserving. Um, it's, it, it tends to be, for for better or worse, uh, I guess a, a bit of a, a difficult position to quantify at times. Uh, as far as for for the for the Hall's beliefs, it's not necess- not necessarily for mine or yours, but just the, whatever reason they have a a view of it. But um, if, if the if the right sort of things click in place, I think him being in the media is going to help, and there's going to be some more visibility as a result of of some of the things we're going to be doing in Orange and Blue some of the things he's going to be doing with the Broncos. I think there's going to just be added visibility um, over, over a little bit of time. So hopefully, hopefully we're not too far away. That ties into a question that I asked Adam as a cliffhanger for last week's podcast. And I'll ask you, Ryan, Oh yeah. who is the most underappreciated, undervalued Denver Bronco in history? Because that, mm. Because my my answer actually ties in to the talk about safeties, so it under underappreciated I, by the fan underappreciated by the fan base or underappreciated by media national. What what do you mean? All the above. Mm. So why don't you start with the fan base? Like because you know you can sort of chop it out probably, but if you looked at the fan base, the Denver Broncos fans, who's the most underappreciated Denver Bronco? Oh, boy. We had a a modifier on this because Adam knows, and and the old man, Adam's dad, would would mention this. Busted out an old man reference? That's not fair. (laughs) So I would would say Lyle Alzado. So it's Lyle Alzado, and then I think then we can get into all the other ones. Mm, Underappreciated, boy. I mean, you know, like when I was thinking nationally, one of the first ones, I mean, like, like, I mean, I guess he got some attention, but you know, like for me, not, not, this isn't by the fan base, but like Al Wilson's always one of those guys that, you know, like I, I, I really wish was in a ring of fame right now. And I think, you know, there's, 
you know, that they haven't had a middle linebacker like him. And I mean, I mean, they, they've had guys have had good week, but they, they just are good, good seasons, but not, not that kind of leader um, at that position. So, you know, I think nationally, like he, he doesn't get enough. Uh, I guess my point is he doesn't get enough, re- as much recognition as he deserves as a, a guy that should be in the ring of fame right now. Uh, underappreciated by the fan base. That's so tough because I'm like immersed in it every single day. And we talk about these guys every single day. So it's tough to like, think about. And it can't be undervalued too. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, this is some hard hitting questions, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, uh, maybe Howard Griffith. I, I mean, I don't know the fan base yeah. always, I mean, but you know, the fullback, I mean, it's like, he was, he was, he loves fullbacks. Yeah. But, but like Howard Griffith was, was so instrumental um, in TD. I mean, we obviously thanked, thanked him in the, uh, his hall of fame speech, but oftentimes the fullbacks get overlooked just in general. And, and he, I mean, he had tremendous hands. Uh, he was just uh, su- such a good player for them. I mean, I guess that that's one of the guys that comes to mind just because the, the fullback tends to get overlooked a little bit. I, I like your Alzado pick though. That's a, that's a good one. It, it, so I'm going to, I'm going to give mine and I, and I'm sure there's going to be some disagreement with it, but I, I think people forget how really, 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 really good he was. And I think it, with, especially with the talk of Steve Atwater and uh, Ryan, I'm sure Steve may have thoughts on this. I think Dennis Smith is completely oh, yeah. undervalued. You can't, you can't how, do that. For how dominant he was. You just stole mine. <laughs> See, that's well, why we've been doing this for so long. That's why I yeah. wanted to go before you. Dang it. Uh, now I, mean, I got to come up with one. another one. All right, I can come up with another one. You guys talk about it. I'm going to think a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that that's a great one. I mean, the, the tough thing for me, again, is because we talk about Dennis Smith, like, I mean, at least two or three times a week because of his impact on Steve uh, and, and what he meant to his career. So that, that, was, that was an easy one. But, yeah, I guess if you think about um, – yeah, I mean, he's a ring of famer, but I mean, I think if you think about it just from the perspective of, of, of maybe he isn't necessarily always included, I don't know, he's still considered, I don't know, what, at least top five safeties with the Broncos, don't you think? I mean, top 10? No well, he, if he's not, he should be. And if, I think that, yeah, that goes to, to prove the point. And I, the, the thing that makes it stand out to me is what Ronnie Lott always said about him. Ronnie yeah. Lott, is, who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, said Dennis Smith was just as good as I was. And I, I think that's another point. We talk about Steve Atwater should be in the Hall of Fame. I, Dennis Smith, yeah, should at least be mentioned for it, and he never is. No, he he isn't. Um, that's a really good one. I, I, you know, like I said, that I, I love these kind of debates because uh, because there's really no wrong answer. It, but it, but it kind of brings back memories. I think you know, like I said, it, it's tough for me sometimes with with that because it's like you know. Dennis, we have on on the show pretty often, and uh, I mean, just one one of the one of the best dudes, and and no question had an impact on uh, Steve Atwater's career, and was a spectacular player on the field. So no, uh, no arguments for me, man. That's a good one. Who, okay, throw, so who, who's I'll the other one? one now? I'll throw on another one, and hopefully it's the other one Adam was ah, thinking about. I knew you were going to do this too. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll add I'll add Simon Fletcher because yeah. you know, See, I about Vaughn Miller. Yeah, and and Simon Fletcher is—I mean—he's the all-time sacks leader for this franchise. Yeah, he is. 
Uh, and then also, again, uh, another tremendous dude, ring of favor, great guy. Uh, Simon Fletcher, man. Um, what can I say? Uh, just sometimes it, it, you know, you see it, this is what's so tough, though, is, you know, over time, you know, uh, younger generations, they don't they don't know these guys as well. And and then you start getting into a point with the voting and because that's a guy that also has an argument for for Hall of Fame. And Definitely. yeah, absolutely. And I agree. So you're just you just kind of like um having to remind people some of these names i mean because there's going to be safe you know coming back to safeties for a minute you know there's going to be safeties coming up um pretty soon here uh that that are that are going to get in and they're going to get in ahead steve and yep. that's you know you're you get frustrated by that but but people just know those names you know and that's, uh, um that's a problem with the process i think the uh yeah. as, a, as a broncos fan we all know this it's it's simple to say the process for selecting uh, you know, players into the Hall of Fame for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's just, it's so out of whack and so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's it sort of ruins it every year because there are so many, and not just Denver Broncos, but just so many guys, like you said, there's a backlog of players that are yeah. more than deserving and should definitely be in. Uh, you know, I, it gets frustrating. It definitely gets frustrating to watch. Well, and you, one, one more, I guess, uh, Steve Foley. You know, he's still he's Dang still it. the interceptions leader. You know, he's still not. Are you kidding me? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. You, you guys, That's you know what? Awesome. I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> I'm clearly not necessary. <laughs> I'm sorry, was, man. Awesome. <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen to me. You know what, Tyrone Braxton? How about that? Boom, Tyrone Braxton. There you go. Chicken. So basically, all safeties. All safeties. Yes, yeah. yes. You get him. You get him. He's all yours. Let's go. Thank you, Ricky Nadeel. I'll add a defensive back, Darian Gordon. Oh yeah, uh, DG. Yeah, DG. He was yeah. good. He was very good. He, he was very, very good. Yeah, right. I, I, we, uh, I, I've talked to Crockett about him. We, we've had many on mic and off mic conversations about DG and. Uh, no, that's a great pick too. That's a great pick. I, I, again, you know, it's it's so tough because you know, um, you know, some of these guys like almost appear like complementary. I mean, not all of them, but you know, like complementary to the stars on the team. But they were all very good in their own right. But I mean, again, you know, led to some some pretty impressive play and oftentimes you know highlighted uh, th- those stars for the team. No, good pick. And I'll I'll add one in terms of fans, at least for for the modern for the modern fans, the younger fans. You'll always hear them mention Champ Bailey, mm-hmm. and I, I still contest that that as good as Champ Bailey was, Louis Wright was just as good, if not better. Yep, Louis Wright was Champ Bailey before Champ Bailey knew what Champ yep. Bailey was. I mean, that's that's just the truth. He's the original shutdown corner, and him not being in the Hall of Fame. And if you if you've ever yes. listened to Ian and I talk about this, you you know that that's a travesty in and of itself. Yeah, he he was he was a spectacular player, no question about it. That's that's another really good one. But again, you know, we're getting into, you know, beyond eras now, and that's yes. that's where you know just the, the voting isn't isn't going to catch up anytime soon on so, something like that. That's kind of a bummer because you're right, Louis Wright is an all timer for the Broncos, and uh, and and there's probably a certain generation that doesn't even, not only didn't see him play, but but doesn't even know him. And I'll give you uh, other one. than that, he's a ring of famer. I'll give you another one, Rick Upchurch, and that's more. Um, probably yeah. non non Broncos fans don't know who Rick Upchurch is, and they should. Uh, he was yeah. he was Devin Hester before Devin Hester was Devin yeah. Hester. You know, I mean, that was he. He was cool. We had him on recently to talk about uh, Isaiah McKenzie and and sort of uh, you know ask him about 
you know, punt returning. And it was kind of a funny moment because uh, Mace, Mace asked him about, you know, like, was there ever a point in your career where, you know, you were struggling with, with certain parts of punt returning, maybe, you know, catching the ball or, you know, making mistakes or, you know, do, doing the wrong things. He's like, no, <laughs> he's like, no, that, <laughs> he's like, no that, that never happened. He's like, he's like, look, he's, you know, he's like, you know why? Because I took pride in my work. I took pride in being a punt returner and I, and I, I liked it. I looked at it as an opportunity to get on the field and I never looked at it as something that uh, was, you know, kind of a chore or something that, that was, uh, you know, only reserved for players that couldn't do anything else. I mean, I, I thought it was a really, it was kind of an interesting point. I mean, we laughed at the moment because it was like, like you can't even just empathize for Isaiah for a moment, but he's like, no, that, that, that wasn't me. He's like, but he's like, it, it's important. And, and that's what he told Isaiah. He said, look, you know, I mean, you got to take pride in this. You got to know that, you know, if you, if you want to be, an impact player on this team, maybe your role is just punt returning, but you better be really damn good at it. So uh, I don't know if that necessarily means Isaiah is going to be good this year or not, but uh, if he wants to make this team, it's got to be more than just a wide receiver, likely the punt returner, which will probably scare a lot of Broncos fans, but uh, I, at least it's a different situation this year. They, they, they gave Isaiah McKenzie the gig last year. They drafted him and told him you're our punt returner this year. I mean, he's in a, a pretty wide open competition with like five or six guys. So it, it, if he wins it, he absolutely deserves it if he actually wins it this year. Cool. That leads into a, an, a question that I have. It, it, who is in danger of not making this team? It, it, and one come one that comes to mind or one who comes to mind is Jordan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Mm. It, it, is there someone or – one or two guys who could be in danger of of not making the roster this season? Yeah, Carlos. Carlos is absolutely yeah. in danger. I mean, Vance Joseph went out of his way to say, if you can't practice, you can't make the team. And really, it's on top of that. I mean, he's got an only practice, but he's got to show that he is one of the five best wide receivers on this team and four spots are already locked up. And so he, he's going to not only have to get on the practice field, but he's going to have to impress. And it was a mixed bag. Ian, you were out there. I mean, it was a mixed bag yes, last year. watching him. And there, there were times where you saw some burst and some things of, okay, well, that's what we expect to see. And then there were times he's dropping the ball, not running the right routes. And um, it, so he, he's got to not only get on the field, he's got to impress. And so for me, I think Carlos Henderson is absolutely in danger right now. And that, that's unfortunate as a third round pick from just last year that missed the year because of that at wrist injury. Uh, man, I, you know, he, he's one, I think Clinton McDonald's kind of finding himself a bit in that, that position too. I mean, again, a guy that hasn't been able to practice uh, coming off that shoulder surgery. Uh, they, they just restructured his contract. I mean, he hasn't even played it down for the Broncos and they already restructured him. And so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know anything like inside or anything like that. I just know that if you kind of subscribe to the things that Vance was saying there, uh, Clinton McDonald might find himself in, in, a, in a kind of a precarious position too if he can't practice at the beginning of training camp. Veldir and Leary clearly, I don't think either of those guys are in that. They, they, they really did feel like both guys could practice. Again, I'll reserve with Veldir until I actually see it, but they really felt like if it was the season that they, those guys had been on the field. So they're, we're okay there. But yeah, I mean, Jordan Taylor for sure. I mean, you know, double hip surgery and – he he's gonna start the training camp on the pup and that's gonna there's 
there are five with as much which with as much run as Isaiah McKenzie's been getting. Um, and then you you add like John DeArce and Tim Patrick, guys that were that were playing significant amount of snaps. Dude, I mean, first of all, you got five wide receivers right there, bordering on on maybe six, and that that's before we get to Jordan Taylor, or Carlos Henderson. It's going to be tough for those guys. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you could be right. What about on the the defensive side of the ball? Well, I mean, other than, than Clinton McDonald, right. I think. Uh, let me think about this. Um, mm, I can't think of anybody that wouldn't be obvious. I think you're you're pretty no you're pretty much surprises, right? No, not not really. I mean, unless unless there's some kind of injury that that forces things to to change. You know, I think I think more than anything right now, you're you're trying. You you've got your starters in place. Uh, you're still figuring out your third cornerback. You know, maybe maybe one of the guys that that played some some a role last year, like a like a Jamal Carter or something. Um, you know, could you know could maybe be on the bubble. I mean, he's clearly in the bubble necessarily. It's a big, it's a bit, it's a, it's a deep safety group. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any, there's any surprises. No, not, not off the top of my head. Cool. All right. Very cool. Um, well, Ryan, we really definitely, really definitely. That's right. I just said that we really <laughs> definitely appreciate having you come on and uh, talk uh, to us. Teacher. I, I am. I teach language <laughs> arts. So I'm going to sometimes language arts is abstract. <laughs> I, just, that's, I dig it. I dig I can it. think no, I, right there. I, I enjoyed it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for letting me video stalk you. I'm sorry I couldn't get my camera working, no but worries. Uh, I, I appreciate it. And uh, I like your uh, orange crush or orange rush shirt there. Ah, see, uh, mine's you, in the wash. Oh, I was going to wear my mine's in the wash. Yeah. Oh, you can for the shirt. I like it. You can wear it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, lo- it looks. It looks sharp. It, it's. It's real popping on my computer screen again. You'd. You'd see me smiling and liking it, but my camera sucks. So, uh, but thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Say hi absolutely. to Steve for Glad me. To have you on again. Yeah. Will do. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll. We'll talk to you guys later. All right. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Yep. Cool. That was uh, Ryan Edwards of uh, AM Seven Sixty. First and ten. It was great having him on. And, um, Ian, any, anything else we need to touch on before we say goodbye? I just, I, I really like the discussion about the, the undervalued or underappreciated Broncos. And I, I, I really do feel like Dennis Smith is yeah. one of the most underappreciated and undervalued Broncos. And I, he is in the ring of fame. Absolutely. But just the fact that when you when you mentioned Steve Atwater and in the Hall of Fame, I, I think you you need to do so with Dennis Smith too, and I think Steve would would agree with that. Yeah, you know it's interesting because I, I definitely think Dennis Smith deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but you know I, I always try and determine how much of that is my orange and blue glasses that I have a tendency to wear, um, and how much of that is is truth, and I think that. One of the things that I like to look at, and you do a very good job of finding those things, I, I don't know how you do it, but uh, other players on other teams and how they felt about certain players for the Denver Broncos. And you've talked about Merlin Olsen and the way that he talks about Randy Gratishar. And then to bring up Ronnie Lott and to hear him uh, also say things like Dennis Smith should be in the Hall of Fame, that to me is, is a mark of, um, it, it makes you question the process even more. When you've got 
groups of players that are, are saying, look at these guys deserve to be in just as much as we do. And there seems to be no change, no end in sight. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to get into the discussion about the Hall of Fame all the time, but it's just kind of where we end up with this team because there are so many players for the Denver Broncos that will never be in the Hall of Fame that are deserving. Well, especially when you look at, at what the mark is. I mean, when you look at the Oakland Raiders, three Super Bowls, they have over 15 Hall of Famers. Yep. The Broncos have won three Super Bowls. They have five. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Think about Kansas City. How many, how many uh, Hall of Famers do the Kansas City Chiefs have? Too many. Too many, exactly. And they have one Super Bowl. Then they haven't won Which a playoff game. And, you know, <laughs> the Broncos have as many win as many playoff wins in Arrowhead Stadium as the Chiefs. I just think it goes back to this idea that the, the media runs that particular museum, and they don't run it very well, and their process is bad. And so, because they have a flawed process, you end up with a flawed museum that doesn't showcase everything about the NFL. You are when you're missing guys when you're missing guys like Louis Wright and Randy Gratishar, uh and Elial Alzado for for that matter, who were members of one of the greatest defenses in the history of the NFL. You you talk about all you the time. You can even throw in Tom Jackson sure, and because Tom, Tom Jackson if, as well. If he played if, if this defense was in Pittsburgh or Philly or New York or Washington or Dallas or Minnesota, San Francisco, City, sure. San Francisco, Oakland. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you. And I, again, I go back to what you always say because it's a, it's a really important thing to mention. Can you write the history of the NFL without the Orange Crush? No, you cannot. That being said, how can you leave players that were on that defense out of the Hall of Fame? You can't. You simply cannot. And it's, it's unfortunate. And I think the other thing that is un- unfortunate for that particular era of Denver Broncos players is because the offense was so bad, the yeah. offense wasn't great. The offense was was pretty terrible. They were essentially dragging around a sack filled with you know dead bodies, uh, and they took them all the way to the Super Bowl at one point. That and then even me, in the Super Bowl, where the offense committed seven turnovers, they only gave up twenty four freaking points. It's a, it's think it, about that. It's a travesty. It's a travesty to think that these guys seven don't belong. Turnovers. Yeah. They only gave up 24 freaking points. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing else to say other than, yeah, exactly. So, um, and one of the things that, that, that Ryan talked about with the Hall of Fame in the 100 year, and, and Mace has talked about this numerous times, where even do it, you could even do it every 10 years to sure. get rid of the backlog, is the thing that Mace wants to do is, in the original NFL class, there was like 20 people that they that they elected into right. the Hall of Fame. Get a bunch of guys in all at so once. So you do like a like you a 20 person class. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, why not? It, it, it's kind of like Major League Baseball, where you have guys on the ballot, and you just, if they get across the certain threshold of votes, they get in. There isn't a limit on how many you can get in, but they still have to cross the threshold of votes. No, I, I agree with that. And that to me I think would make it would make the process better. It would give the fans something to look forward to. And here's the other thing that it does. It actually makes it so that if if you get into the Hall of Fame in one of those classes 
that is not a part of that. Like, let's say you did that every 10 years where you do sort of a backlog thing and you have the votes and, and whatnot, and you do 20 guys every 10 years. If you get in in between those time periods, then you know that you're you're that you're that much better, or, or you're like that level of Hall of Fame. There's a little bit more honor to it. So that sort of would be a, a neat thing to add, or a neat a neat wrinkle, a cool thing to include in the Hall of Fame voting. I, I just think it's to me, and I've said it a gajillion times, um, the, the way that the NFL goes about selecting players to the Hall of Fame is bad. It's just poor, and it ruins it. It ruins the experience. It ruins it so much that guys like Terrell Owens who is a Hall of Famer, don't want to go to the ceremony because they think that the, the system is flawed too. I'm going to get killed for that. Oh, you sided with Terrell Owens. Uh. One thing that you mentioned, and I think it's important to point out, is last year for the Contributors Committee, and I will rail on this, and even when Pat Bowen is inducted into the Hall of Fame, as we saw how dirty this process was, when the, when the Contributors Committee and the Hall of Fame sent out a photo of Charlie frickin' Casserly as, as someone who was basically there to just talk sure, up. Yeah. Um, Get his buddy in, right? I can't even remember his name now. I'm so upset. See? That's what ha- I can't I can't think of his name. And I think that's a big problem, too. You can't you don't know who he is. What is his I name? I should know who it is. We should know who it is. Bobby Bethard. Thank you, Bethard. I could not come up with it. But that, as I wrote in my column when that happened, was John Elway busy? No, I agree. It's un, it's incredible that, that guys that could have an impact aren't showing up to make an impact. Um, I, I like, you know, one of the things that Ryan talked about was they're going to start, you know, a push for Steve Atwater to get into the Hall of Fame. And to me... It's too bad that to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you have to have guys campaign for you, and you have to be a part of the media. And and that's and something it, that... It only seems like you have to do that for the Denver Broncos. Right. And that's that's the whole point, is you have to make sure you keep your name out in the media, because it's the, the way that they vote for it and the way that they do things. And don't get me wrong, the way that baseball does things is bad as well. But... I mean, it's getting better, and I love the transparency that they have, where you can see who voted for who, and so you can't just hide behind. That's the best part, yeah. About which, it. which is and the most important. And they're starting, part. and they're starting to kick out people who don't cover baseball after a certain period of time to yes. no longer vote for the Hall yes. of Fame. That's the bigger one, and I think that that's important. I think it's important that you make changes where changes need to be made, and the NFL is slow to evolve. Uh, Major League Baseball is slow to evolve, and so it's kind of like. You need to have those changes happen more rapidly. Uh, I, I love old school stuff, and I love to to be able to think back to, oh, remember when they did it this way? And that, that's great. But you still have to change with the times, and you have to make adjustments. And they and they don't seem to be willing to do that. In total agreement. There we go. I like it when we agree on things. Um, what are we on to? We're on to not doing anything stupid. Yes, we are on to the don't do anything stupid season. Um, and with Noah Aqib Talib, that means we maybe won't have to worry. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. You, you, you never know. All right, well, we're on to don't do anything stupid. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>